Well, you're Six. still standing. Am I? I'm sitting. It's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's Superhero Slate. It's a modern podcast where we talk about everything that's great. Like movies, TV, superheroes. It's Superhero Slate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Superhero Slate, the show where we run down the latest superhero entertainment news. We love TV, movies, and superheroes, so let's talk it all out. My name is Chris Dillard. And my name is Mike Royer. And this week, we talk about a new big series for Disney+. Plus. All right, emphasis on the big there. Yeah, not Tom Hanks big, which is <laughs> big show. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, just as we've predicted before, Mike, Ewan McGregor is returning as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, he's still out there in the desert, man. He's just taking naps. Mm-hmm. He gets older, he takes more naps. The yeah. dry air is good for that. He, yeah, it's just like that line in uh, was it Attack of the Clones where Anakin hates the sand. By the end, Obi Wan hates the sand, man. I, w- I would like to think it's the opposite. Like uh, Obi Wan, like embraces it. He's like, I, I love the sand, and he just rolls around in it because he's just trying to be the antithesis to the little brat that fought him in the last movies. Maybe the sand's a villain in this one. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, we're also going to talk about how Birds of Prey is getting John Wick stunts. Mm, that's not a bad thing. And more. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you've you've had a very, very busy weekend and you have self-admitted to me mere moments ago. You're very low energy. Uh, but I'm just impressed that this late in the day on a Sunday that you are willing to sit down and even record this podcast. Well, it th- thought crossed my mind. Should <laughs> I even do a show today? Uh, and you know what? I'm I'm doing it for the fans, Mike. I want I want people who count on us to do a show every week to have something to listen to. So this well, is for you guys. Uh, well, last week you told me that it was going to be a really late recording for you uh, when we came to episode 236 today, and I was thinking in my head, uh, I was like, "All right, what what do we do if I have to do this on my own? Do I just like <laughs> talk into a microphone by myself? Will that be interesting enough?" Well, I guess I won't have there. I won't have Chris there contradicting me every every yeah. news segment along the way, so I could get all of my points across. Very, I could just brainwash this audience. But <laughs> the lowest here, numbers so. of downloads ever. The no. one the one week no <laughs> No, it would be the following week if we told them it, it was going to be the same next week because yeah. it's a sneak attack. Nobody knows what happens oh. before they download the episode. They really don't. It's it's all. Uh, pow right in the kisser moment (laughs) you never know but this weekend i know you want to know mike i um my uh place of employment is doing their first a big official commercial commercial uh and i know no one who works there or works for any other competing companies listening but i mean it's it's a very expensive commercial we have crew and people flying from la to do this and um we filmed at a horse track a horse facility uh, so we had a, they had this big truck and I don't know if I sent you pictures of the truck or not, Mike. Um, but it's a huge, like bigger than an F-150 truck where you sit on the top roof of it and then there's a big jib out the back and they move the jib as the truck drives beside the horses. So were you able to contain yourself and not make a cut of your jib remark? Because, uh, I know you're on the puns out oh, there. Um, no, that's actually one pun I did not make this weekend. Um, these, <laughs> you're like, these people are professionals. We're paying them to shoot a commercial. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't say I like the cut of their jib. Uh, I, 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 they all know I went to film school. Uh, I, someone, well, I told one person, they ended up telling everyone. So they were like, Oh, you know what's going on on the set? I'm like, I do. So if I made that joke, they'd be like, 
he's lying. He did not go to film <laughs> school if he's making that kind of joke. You're like, oh, the pun side of me is conflicting with the educated side of me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the one, it's really, really difficult sometimes to be me. Um, but the past four days, um, this place we filmed, that's 40 minutes from uh, my office and my house, roughly 45. And um, we started, I woke up at 3 yesterday, Saturday, to get out there. <laughs> and 5.30 today to get out. No, I had to be there by 6 today. So I left around 5. So I have been on this place uh, 12 hour days, um, pretty, pretty, I'm running out of energy. I'm running out of words <laughs> to say. So uh, I got home and uh, took a shower, went out to eat, and then sat and played some games with my wife and uh, came to get on the show. So this this commercial, this these crews, they are fantastic people. I will tell you, a, a, people are like, oh, you're making a commercial. You've got a, a guy doing your video and you're directing it. No, these were real people like, professional crews flown in from all across the country to do this stuff. It was fantastic to see this work. Do you have any questions about it, Mike? Because I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> Chris, it sounds like you had a, a laborious weekend. So I'm here. Yeah. I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to lift the weight for you. I'm going to, I'm going to care. I'm going to carry these cables. I'm going to be your best boy. Oh, uh, it's I'm not, be, not what that is, but I'll take it. I thought the best boy deals with the cables on the set. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm teasing Mike. <laughs> you're you're gonna, you're gonna be my uh, um, uh, DP, director yeah, of photography. I'll be your uh, director of what you should be watching on Netflix. Yeah, you uh, will because be- because you've been doing some Netflix watching. Oh yes, uh, this weekend finally concludes uh, Nickelodeon's release of their. I guess I, I don't want to call them like reboots. They're not remakes, but they're almost like throwback movies, if you will. Like a renaissance. So I, yeah, so I think it was back in maybe 2016. So maybe three years ago, they announced that they were going to be making a Hey Arnold movie uh, that was going to be premiering on uh, on Nickelodeon on Thanksgiving Day. And then not long after that, they said, hey, we're also doing Rocco. We're going to do a Rocco's Modern Life movie. And then not long after that, bam, Invader Zim. So uh, in the Invader Zim movie released on Netflix this weekend, uh, Rocco's Modern Life released the weekend before, and then, you know, Hey Arnold a few years ago. So now they're all officially out, and I'm actually very surprised to tell everybody that they're all fantastic. I was just basically lowering my expectations, assuming that they're all going to be bad, but all of the original creators for all of these shows returned for all of these individual movies. And they were exactly what I wanted for each series. You know, the Hey Arnold one was like a sweet, nice conclusion for what you wanted for these characters. And I would say the Hey Arnold movie was the more kind of like kid-centric tone, even though it was kind of made for an older audience that grew up with the character. Still really great. Uh, the the Rocco's Modern Life Static Cling was, I, I felt like, almost like a punk rock type of animated movie. Uh, the creator, Joe Murray, seemed like he made exactly what he wanted to make. And uh, I don't know if at, at some point in production he realized that maybe it wasn't going to be on Nickelodeon and it was going to be released on streaming because it kind of loosens up and it gets a little bit more subversive and adult kind of halfway through it. So that was really fun to see him kind of play in that realm. And then the Invader Zim uh, one was extremely pleasing. Uh, I, I'm a huge Invader Zim fan. I, I, I drank everything up Invader Zim when I was a kid. 
so I'm so glad to see uh, Jonan Vasquez, I think that's how you say his last name, uh, returning uh, with, uh, this was over an hour long, so this one was almost close to feature length at 90 minutes. Uh, it was just great. It was hilarious. Uh, he didn't miss a step. Uh, I hope everyone goes out and watches all of these uh, Nickelodeon kind of uh, throwback movies because they're all great. And I don't know if I necessarily need more Rocco or I need more Hey Arnold, but I would love more Invader Zim, and I would love all of these creators to go on and, and make more stuff. They, they still got it. So go check out all the all that Nickelodeon stuff for sure. What, what I think is funny is if you want to watch the Invader Zim television show, it's on Hulu. If you want to watch the movie... <laughs> It's on Netflix. Yeah, well, I I don't think it's in the show notes this week because it's not quite related to anything superhero related, but Viacom and CBS are rejoining their ranks. I think they split up sometime back in maybe 2006, but now they're returning to join as a single company again. So that means all of these Viacom properties, which I believe is, is it? I think it's Nickelodeon, yeah, Nickelodeon and uh, Comedy Central, which are probably the most famous Viacom properties, are now going to be part of this family. So I don't know if they're going to blow up CBS All Access and make it larger, or maybe they'll make a Viacom streaming service. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a streaming strategy involved, but basically... It'll it'll be CBS All Access. We might finally see this Nickelodeon catalog finally become streaming because right now Nickelodeon streaming options are atrocious. Like if you want, like if you want, like even like the nineties, like throwback cartoons, uh, you can get it on verve, but it's not even all the seasons. You only get like the first couple seasons for each of these Nicktoons. So you can't even like watch all of Doug if you wanted to watch all of Doug. So it's like, what the hell's even the point? Uh, so yeah, if you want to catch up on Invader Zim, uh, watch it on Hulu, but you don't even have to, it, it had been a while since I had rewatched all of Invader Zim, but I just jumped right back into the movie. It's just, it's great, subversive, hilarious, uh, just weird and random, which is kind of that kind of brand of humor, but yeah, go check that stuff out. And, uh, mm-hmm. I also caught the, um, a live, uh, scoring of the original Jurassic Park at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, out here in LA last night, which it was great. It was the John Williams Orchestra. It was conducted by a different person. I don't know who the conductor was exactly, but it was the John Williams Orchestra. And they're just so good and they're so on point with scoring the movie that you're watching, you forget that they're there, to be honest. Like, maybe if you're, like, seated in the very, very expensive front row, you would have a little bit more visceral experience of the instruments. But, like, we were just having a great time watching Jurassic Park with a gigantic crowd of people. Uh, You just forget the, 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 the band is down there doing a killer job. But I had realized I hadn't seen Jurassic Park with a group of people in basically forever since I saw it in the movie theaters. So it was great seeing this everybody react to different parts of the movie. So obviously you get all these you get all of these cheers and applause whenever like a major character is revealed for the first time on the screen. Uh, there was a great moment where you get to see the classic Jeff Goldblum, Ian Malcolm kind of shirt splayed open, kind of laid out on the table, uh, because that's not just like a shot that's like gradually moved to. It's not like he's in the background and the camera eventually gets to him. You're on like this a very intense part of, I believe it's um, Dr. Grant and the kids escaping or in, so, uh, in a tree or something like that. And then they cut from that very intense moment to bam, shirtless Jeff Goldblum and the crowd just like went wild. It was hilarious. So um, you don't have to 
get a live scored orchestra to kind of go catch rescrainings of old classic movies. Uh, there's a lot of theaters out there, probably in your hometown, that will do screenings of kind of classic stuff. And if you've seen it before and you're just like, well, I could just watch it at home, why go check it out? Uh, go see it with a crowd of people. It's kind of fun. Um, like there was a couple lines in Jurassic Park where the characters reference, oh, this is this is uh, top of the line, brand new technology. And they're looking at like CRT TVs and everybody laughs uh, that's around us. Uh, I know this. Bowl. It's a Unix <laughs> system. Uh, yeah. Or like uh, they're looking at the, the Raptor kind of sonogram at the very beginning of the movie. Like, oh, this is this is uh, this is top notch technology. So, yeah. So uh, that's uh, that's my recommendation. That's what that's what I was up to this weekend, man. So you've been watching classic movies in theater-like experiences, is mm-hmm. what you're saying. Yes. Well, Are you segueing to something here? I this. am, because uh, <laughs> this week I was, well, months ago I was invited with my friend Jeremy to go watch the new last version of Apocalypse Now, the final cut um, by uh, Francis Ford Coppola. It mm-hmm. debuted at Tribeca earlier this year, and in its public screenings was thir- this past Thursday and tonight Sunday. And I've never seen, uh, admittedly, Apocalypse Now, at least not that I remember, at least mm-hmm. focused. So um, I was very thrilled to jump this chance where I had to sit in a movie theater and watch this classic movie. Um, because it is a surreal, uh, I guess, um, I don't know how to even phrase it, a very trippy war film, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very metaphysical throughout the whole journey. And, you know, it's got, you know, young Lawrence Fishburne, young uh, Martin Sheen, uh, Dennis uh, Hopper is in it, Marlon Brando. Uh, there's, it's, I mean, Harrison Ford is even in it. I don't know if you knew that or not, Mike, but um, oh. uh, it, it was a, a great experience. And uh, my other friend, Andrew, who listens to the show, he got to come along with us. Uh, it was his birthday. We didn't know that. So, um, but, so happy late birthday to him. But we got to watch it and, um. That movie still has not digested with me because of how busy this weekend's been. But <laughs> I I love, again, we talked about those Fathom events, Mike, where they put mm-hmm. these older movies or these, you know, um, newer versions in theaters. And uh, after three hours, I was very glad I got to go see that movie. Theaters, oh, great. So. Well, this was your first time seeing Apocalypse Now, so this might be a moot point to ask, but was there some sort of special angle for this final cut? Was this something that had been lost for a long time, or did the studio famously like remove something that Coppola always wanted in the uh, in the final cut? Or well, I'm not so really sure. The, uh, Apocalypse Now comes in three variations. Um, mm-hmm. So there's the original version, uh, which I'll tell you, watching this film and knowing production I don't know how the hell they filmed this movie. It's well, the one thing—the one thing I do know about this movie that I've—I've never seen it, but apparently there's a very, very famous and very well done documentary about the making of this film. Yes, I think it's called maybe Inferno or something like that. Hearts of Darkness. Hearts of Darkness. Yeah, which is actually a book that is based on. Like, it's really um, interesting, like how this movie all came about. But yes, uh, I've actually studied this film in film school, like from a paper, like a book point of view, but never mm. like really watched it. Um, but uh, yeah, so there, there's a documentary that came out in like '91. Um, but it, this this movie, like watching, I'm like, I don't know how they made this. And <laughs> then um, in 2001, I believe they did uh, the Apocalypse Now Redux or Redo, however you want to call it. Um, and it restored about 50 minutes of scenes cut from the original film. Okay. Because, uh, you know, they can't sell a over three-hour movie, you know, in the 
the eighties, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and then um, he on this is his fortieth anniversary, so he was able to cut twenty minutes or so from the Redux point. Like he took it out and uh, restored the original uh, to four uh, K from the negative. Oh wow! So um, yeah, it was. I saw I saw it in IMAX. Uh, so uh, very good quality. It's interesting. Old film making. There are some scenes that are like obviously out of focus by just a hair, but they uh-huh. left them in. And I don't know if it's to like soften the actor or something that they were seeing, but it was definitely a wild adventure to see some of that stuff done up close in that 4K um, technology. So well, it sounds like a very intense film. And if I had to add a double feature, uh, go ahead and stream Dante's Peak on Hulu that I watched this morning about uh, Pierce Brosnan versus a volcano. So uh, you might be confusing it with uh, with the other competing film, Volcano. Uh, but I, I assure you it's not. It's a different film. Uh, seriously, y- you don't have to watch that movie. But it's, it's fun. Fun volcano film. Mm. Yes. Disaster movies from the 90s. They're so thrilling. But since we're talking about movies we enjoy watching, we're going to get into our news a bit here. And Mike Uh always complains, it's got to be a slow week if we talk about who the cinematographer is on a film. (laughs) However, I'm going to disagree on this notion for for two reasons. One, this is Venom 2, Mike. Okay, directed by Andy Serkis. You know, Mm -hmm. already up a notch over last time we saw Venom 1, right? Um, They've hired uh, cinematographer Robert Richardson to film this movie. Uh-huh. Now, Robert Richardson uh, is not – he is a household name. I will tell you that. But you don't know his name. He has done, from Quentin Tarantino's movies, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, both Kill Bills, Inglorious Bastards, Django, and The Hateful Eight. Wow. He also worked for Martin Scorsese on Casino, Bringing Out the Dead, The Aviator, Shutter Island, and Hugo, which I think uh-huh. Shutter Island and Hugo both won Academy Awards for that. Uh, okay. And with Oliver Stone, he won an Academy Award with JFK – but also worked on Platoon, The Doors, and Natural Born Killers. I mean, that's quite a resume. Now, I'm not saying cinematographers are not important, but usually when you're doing like a, a nerdy superhero yeah. comic book news show, usually the cinematographer doesn't show up because those aren't really the type of movies that we're talking about. Uh, but for Venom 2, it almost sounds a little bit like Overkill, but it <laughs> sounds exciting, right? I mean, if you're getting a type of like cinematographer a tour like that on a, on a Venom movie where basically uh, both lead characters in the film, Venom and Eddie Brock, said that they're basically losers. <laughs> well, I so, think I, mean, I think this, we're going to get a hold of I think I think we have to take the notion of Venom 1 and throw it out the door at this point. Like, I'm going to – I feel like this is going to be, like, not quite a soft reboot, but they're just going to be like, okay, Venom 1 happened, there are other symbiotes, great, move on. Like, that's really the only takeaway at this point. But what's interesting here is I think this is kind of going in terms of, like, maybe it's viewing its competition as the Joker movie rather than any other comic book movie. Possibly. Uh, Another, like, dark anti-hero. Joker's really a villain. Um, uh, R-rated film that comes out in October. And that's pretty much what the Joker is. I think that's what Venom 2 is kind of going to be, is something in that vein more than, hey, we'll never compete with Marvel. We'll never compete, you know, with some of the lighter DC fare. So let's really embrace this. Um, um, I guess do a film that we all want to make and, and make it look really good at the same time rather than just 
and eh, throw out another Venom movie. Obviously, the last one made money. <laughs> yeah, I mean quickly. that's that's obviously what I thought was going to happen. They're like, hey, why uh, mess with the formula that got us all this money? Uh, so I'm glad they're I'm glad they're changing it up. So mm-hmm. uh, cautiously surprised. I yeah. mean, wow, wasn't expecting this. I, I again, I I will have watched by next weekend. I promise, Mike. Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood. I have a few days off this week for this weekend, um, so I'm going to make up for that. But I will tell you, I really enjoy watching Tarantino's films. The look of them. Because oh yeah, I, you know when you're watching them, and especially you know uh, the more recently the Hateful Eight. I, I remember you know most of that's filmed in one little building. So um, yeah, I, re- I really enjoy that. And also, uh, what was it? Um, um, Woody Harrelson is uh, the lead in Natural Born Killers as well. So maybe could be related to that crazy Woody Harrelson character being <laughs> this uh, this carnage that we sure. I think he's going to be. Just get rid of the the sideshow Bob hair. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> We don't want the side Joe Bob here. Spider-Man Far From Home has now become the highest grossing film for Sony Pictures, Columbia Entertainment, uh, wow, passing Skyfall, that. which came out, I can't believe, t- 2012, 2012, um, for that, with $1.109 this weekend. Now, Sony, please remember, you did not do this on your own. You did this because Kevin Feige basically helped you make a very successful, enriching movie. So I just always get worried that Sony, like there's going to be two executives that just like go out to dinner one night with Marvel. They're going to get in some sort of spat and then they're going to let egos get in their way. And then they're going to be like, oh, we don't need you to make Spider-Man movies anymore. And then us consumers, us viewers, us fans just lose. So I just feel like there's just like one ego trip away from somebody thinking like we can do this without Marvel. We don't need them. No. So I'm always just very worried whenever I get any sort of Spider-Man news. Like, oh, I can see this going either way. No, that, I mean, this is definitely... Uh, hey, Marvel made your number one movie ever. That's not James Bond. And James Bond, they didn't have forever. Mm-hmm. I think I think this is just you know more positive reinforcement. And honestly, if they're taking Andy Serkis, who was, has been in several Marvel movies, right? Mm-hmm. They're probably taking some side notes from Feige. Be like, hey, can you help us with our Venom movie? And he's pointing like get a good get a good make it look good get a good director people care about and you know go this way so I mean I think there's there's some synergy here that we're not seeing behind the scenes <laughs> oh synergy there's the word yeah that's your word I'm I'm just using it okay I'm just living in your world um, but also um, the it's not the number one domestic movie is still behind the original Spider Man from tw- uh, 2002. Ooh. In the very recent um, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Uh, so it sits at number three domestically. Well, we got another uh, Welcome to the Jungle coming uh, coming our way. So we'll see how that one does. Do you even know what the third Jumanji movie's called? Is Welcome to the Jungle 2? Um, oh, God. It has a, <laughs> isn't it called Return to the Jungle or something like that? Uh, or I, ex, I honestly, next level? Oh, the, it's called next level. I think the next level. Yeah, I don't even yeah, know. I had to look like it up real fast. I'm like, I don't know. I was like, oh, I think it's a video game pun. It's the new Jumanji again. So uh, what's a Jumanji? Jumanji. Uh, eh. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. Okay. It looks funny. It looks funny. I'll give them that. They they got yeah. me going. So uh, good job, Spider Man. Far from home. Marvel Studios is apparently looking to cast a, an actor with the codename quote unquote David. Ooh, mysterious. Uh, the ruler of an ancient, distant kingdom. Uh-oh. So, Uh-oh. <laughs> of course, all the news articles are like, oh, my God, it's Namor. It's not fucking Namor. 
I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's not anymore. <laughs> we have uh, Shang-Chi and uh, The Legend of the Ten Rings coming out, okay? Mm-hmm. Which could deal with an ancient, distant kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Eternals dealing with ancient, distant kingdom. They've been around forever. Uh, David sounds pretty biblical. So I'm thinking maybe along the lines of Eternals, and this is like the biblical character or something like that that was misconstrued. Their superpowers are misconstrued as a, you know, a, a, a godlike figure. I don't know. Or or maybe it could be some sort of a rival kingdom to maybe Wakanda. You know, I'm not really sure because they, they seem to kind of uh, let us know about the uh, neighboring rival tribes. So maybe they feel like they've got that nipped in the bud. Plus, I mean, are, are we to believe that there are other mysterious uh, kingdoms also out there, just land-based? So, yeah, I mean, it could... The thing is with Namor, I feel like it's going to happen eventually. Hmm. Like, who knows when or where, but, like, they wouldn't just leave that character to the side. But, like, I guess I think now it's probably just strategic. They're probably just waiting for some sort of creator, director, or writer to come in that has a really good idea of what they want to do with Namor. And then after that, they have to strategically decide when to release it. They're like, well, we don't want it coming out the same year as an Aquaman movie. That absolutely cannot happen. Uh, we, you know, do we do it just before an Aquaman movie comes out? Because this is like a this is like a, a a machine right now at Marvel Studios. If they wanted to, they could put together a Namor movie and get it out before the next uh, Jason Momoa Aquaman movie, since it's since it's been so spaced out over there. So they could scoop them. They could scoop them on the on the next uh, Waterman movie. Well, so I I don't think they N- will. But. Namor, I'll, I'm going to make a bold claim. Namor will never get a solo film. Never. They they won't. Oh that. I mean, that's very believable, for sure. I, if anything, and, and everyone's like, oh, but he's tied with Black Panther. He's not tied with Black Panther. He's tied with Fantastic Four. If you want to give Fantastic Four a villain that was created in their series, or not created in the series, but is known for working in their series very, like, a, a whole lot, put him in Fantastic Four and have them face him rather than some big space aliens right out the gate. Uh-huh. Um, you know, maybe, maybe they're dealing with things that are discovering new things on our planet before they go discover other planets. I don't know. I would, I would love to see, this is just kind of riffing on the idea, but I would love to see maybe the next big bad to face our heroes is not necessarily celestial. You know, it could get to it eventually. I'm not opposed to another, uh, celestial threat, but what if like just a bunch of big bads on earth came together? So we build up the myst- the mystery of Norman Osborn for a little while. We build up the mystery of Dr. Doom for a little while and hell, maybe even build up the mystery of like Namor or something like that. Just drop hints of undersea stuff. And then we, we find out that they're just, they're kind of part of like some sort of evil council. I don't so, know if so that exists it, already it, in the Marvel universe. It, <laughs> uh, comic books. Yes, it does. 2009 called the Cabal. Uh, they're essentially they're Marvel's Illuminati um, is like all the good guys like the big brains of it right uh-huh. uh, and they each of them I think there was like seven or eight six of them one of them each guards an Infinity Stone uh, but the Cabal was the evil version that run by Norman Osborn um, Doctor Doom was on it Emma Frost was on it Loki was on it um, yeah think- just like imagine like a green goblin monster standing next to an Arborn Doctor Doom standing next to like Namor with like some sort of like badass weaponry and they're just like facing off like running at like a crowd of like new Avengers or something like that that is like a, that's a badass well, visual right there that's, that's I mean that's really really similar to what I said when I say that I was I've said for a while that the mis, mis, the Sinister Six could literally be an Avengers level group of villains rather than a Spider-Man mm-hmm. group of villains yep because if, yeah. if he has trouble taking on one of them, almost dying against, you know, one each. I mean, two of them could take him down 
like that. Yeah. So. And also strategically, uh, studio wise, if you want to build up a threat for the MCU, you probably don't want to you don't want to comprise that whole group full of like Sony property characters because then they might have a little bit of a strong strong arm on you. But like if Kevin Feige is being strategic strategic about it, he's like, hey Sony, don't get too uppity. We can just go ahead and throw out the Scorpion and replace it with a Namor that we own. So just uh, just let us do what we want to do. So man, I just I'm just really loving the idea of Norman and. Doctor Doom. I mean, Namor, he can come and go whenever, but and Doctor also, Doom has just been so wasted. <laughs> in in a recent um, things, Namor's also been known to be a mutant, like a mutant gene. Uh-huh. So, uh, maybe could be X Men. Um, Distant Kingdom could also be Doctor Doom too. You know, yeah. so who knows? Yeah. Uh, so there's there's a bunch of things going on here. So. Uh, they just like to stir the rumor mill just a, just a little bit. <laughs> Do you think they sit around and they're just like, what should the code name be? It could literally be anything. Well, that's yeah. true. What's your name? Uh, should we pick, What's your should middle we name? pick an innocuous name? <laughs> like, My middle they probably David. Think, okay, great. Yeah. Uh, that's biblical. Great. That'll really fuck with them. <laughs> yeah. They're reading way too hard into this. Yep. Well, that's okay. We're going to read into some more of this because Disney Plus <laughs> uh, is quote has a quote unquote, this source is a big in quotes, new series is coming to the streaming service. Okay. Um, so there are two theories. One is a Miss Marvel series because she embiggens herself with her stretchy powers, right? And that's mm-hmm. part of her ability set. And people and, and executives are like, yes, we're trying to get Miss Marvel in here. We get it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is a Hulk. And the Hulk one come from um, a rumor, or not a rumor, a, a source who leaked the Hawkeye um, Disney Plus series. And I believe... Um, there was another Disney Plus series they leaked, um, and Hulk was the third one, but the Hulk wasn't announced this this week. So mm. maybe it's just going to take a little bit longer to do CGI for a Hulk, and yeah. maybe it's well, not in the next two-year window they showed us. Well, we were all very skeptical when the idea of a Hulk or a She-Hulk uh, um, streaming show was brought up during the age of like Netflix and the Defenders. Because we're just like, like, how are they going to afford that? Like, I feel like they're just going to use every trick in the book to not show us the Hulkified person because Mm -hmm. that's just going to be too much work. But these Disney Plus shows, very, very doable because we don't even know how long some of these episode orders are going to be. It could be like a four episode series, you know, for like a Hulk show. And they've already got the model uh, modeling down because they did literally all of Endgame with Smart Hulk. Yeah, they could just like, all right, just uh, pull and pull and play with these yeah. uh, with these. Go, models go, go grab that SD card with the Hulk model on it. We're gonna pop it in yeah. real fast. See what we can do. Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely love the Miss Marvel idea, but the only strategic thing I try to think of is uh, like, how quickly are we gonna introduce all of these uh, people with stretchy powers? You know, like we, I feel like we still haven't quite figured out how to nail it like live action wise, like in the setting and, you know, people fighting with these uh, stretchy powers. We see it a little bit in the boys, uh, which kind of actually worked pretty well. Uh, So uh, maybe it's not going to be too hard to translate, but uh, (laughs) it's such a weird power set to have. And now all of a sudden two people in your universe have it. But I guess it works if Miss Marvel is streaming based. She might not ever show up in the movies, in the films, or maybe if they do, maybe it's really fun. Maybe in like 10 years they collide in some sort of like big fight well, and they're like, hey, you can stretch too. Let's do some really cool stretchy stuff side by side. Let's make two trampolines or something, you know. <laughs> well, the thing is Miss Marvel is not really a stretcher. She's more of a shapeshifter. 
So yeah, like, that's true. So like they're they're close when she embiggens herself. Like yeah, like she can mm. do that. But like well, because the way they kind of draw it in the comic book sometimes it's like she gets like the those like big punchy fists. Yeah, and you know Mister Fantastic does that before. But I guess there is different ways you can delineate the powers. Visually. Yeah, or even you know they could say, oh, aren't you like Mister Fantastic? And she's like, no, I do this instead of this. Yeah, like it'd be a fun little little thing because I mean Miss Marvel is known for fangirling. Kamala is in in her books yeah. over the actual which, superheroes, which is a, works out really really well because these characters have been around for a really long time now. So it does make sense in universe that there would be kids growing up that are just like you know going crazy for these people, mm-hmm. especially after they save the world in Endgame, which yeah. I now have on Steelbook. So. It's on the it's on the wall. It's on the shelf. <laughs> Chris's copy of Endgame may now possibly survive an earthquake. So yeah, it, I mean it won't survive a magnet, a steel. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, speaking of Disney Plus, uh, the What If series, um, Haley Atwell has uh, been on was talking about her when she filmed the in her Endgame scenes uh, several uh-huh. years ago. Uh, two years ago, she said so. Some that so she said while she was doing like one day she was filming this stuff and the next she was filming the lines for the what if stuff or so she's recorded a lot of her lines if not all of them probably for this animated series well and that's good because if she was doing this as what what is it maybe like two years ago she was possibly recording lines for that kind of stuff yeah the earliest two years ago yeah yeah i mean animation's gonna need you know more lead time than a lot of other stuff to get going so we could be seeing this what if series Maybe as soon as next year. I don't know if they have an official release date for that series, but hopefully we won't have to wait too long for it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we already know the date for it, kind of the window. So I think we're good. I think we'll maybe we can get more of an episode order or like the content uh, sooner than later. Uh, especially if people, you know, are recording their lines. Eventually, something's going to slip out there. You know, uh-huh. uh, give us give us some deets. We want them deets on this. So um, yeah, that's that's cool. Have you watched the latest season of Agents of Shield yet? I only caught the season premiere. I haven't really got around to finishing it, so I would say no. <laughs> yeah, I have not either. And I, the, you know, I'm a big proponent of Shield, one of the biggest. But I've not watched the season yet. And now it's all done, though. I can probably crack through it real quick. Um, the guy who, um, the director, cinematographer of of our commercial shoot, his uh-huh. girlfriend is like best friends with Chloe Bennett, so. The, oh, he wow. he took the picture that I had with Chloe and sent it to her while I was hanging out with him the other day. So I thought that was really cool. <laughs> You're like, hey, look at this nerd who paid to get a picture with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, he, he, I don't know how that topic even came up, but um. So um. Anyway, uh, in season five, Patrick Warburton showed up as like a recording of a character named Rick Stoner, uh, and uh, he will be reprising his role of Rick Stoner in this show's upcoming final oh. season. Oh, yeah, yeah, because this wasn't even uh, this season that just finished up. It was even the season before with all the kind of time travel. He was like a hologram for that base, that shield base that was like yeah. kind of old technology. So he was the lighthouse. Playing, he was playing like an old folksy type of hologram. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It, well, more like a like a 60s business kind of guy. He looked like mm-hmm. the older the older Howard Stark in the. Iron Man 2 video, so... Yeah, well, hey, I can't get excited. I, I can't not get excited when uh, I hear Kronk, so... Mm-hmm. Kronk, Kronk's the man. You mean Putty? <laughs> sure. Yeah, Kronk whatever, whatever reference you want to give Patrick Warburton. He's in, been in about everything. At this point. I think he's also... He was also doing a commercial for, like, 
um, like a, a soup and salad buffet. I don't remember what it was called. Soup plantation. He did <laughs> the soup plantation. He did commercials for that. So hey, maybe that's your Patrick Warburton. Soup plantation. Yeah, don't worry about it. You I'm gonna have to, to go. look this up later. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna jot that down. Okay. <laughs> See what's going on. But if you haven't watched Agents of Shield, that's fine. Uh, maybe you want to catch the whole show when it wraps up next season. But uh, we've got some other stuff to look forward to uh, from Marvel Television. That's not necessarily Marvel Studios with the Ghost Rider and Hellstrom spinoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ghost Rider at least is a spinoff. Hellstrom is a new series. But apparently they'll be referred to on a, as a banner called Adventure into Fear. Uh, with uh, possibly Creepy. another one or two shows. Oh. So I thought that was cool that there might be another. Um, Maybe because uh, I would imagine these uh, are these coming to Hulu then? Is that yeah. what we're uh, theorizing? No, they're they're confirmed for Hulu. Okay, gotcha. Maybe, um, hell, maybe even like uh, Cloak and Dagger. Maybe they'll leave their. Uh, Maybe they'll leave their uh, ABC family and uh, and join a Ghost Rider in Hellstrom. That might be crazy. Yeah, I mean, it could. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. What would the third? I guess. Uh, you know, I guess Fear series be like. Is well, there any? Well, mar- we we know it ain't Blade. <laughs> yeah, it's not Blade. Uh, Ghost Rider. I'm trying to think of. Uh, there's um, called the uh, oh Midnight Suns. Was this a uh, group of uh, Marvel characters? I'm gonna have to do. A, a, a quick thing uh, here to look it up because I mean it had like um, Man Thing in it at one point Punisher Moon Knight maybe um, it's oh, a, Moon Knight who knows if that guy's ever going to make it to a screen yeah Morbius uh, I mean we, they're not making a movie that over at Sony right <laughs> um, but so I, I don't know there's there's some opportunities for for, for some of these other I guess street level um, yeah, supernatural people Who's uh, who's the guy that controls the TV side of things? Jeff Jeff uh, Loeb. Jeff, Jeff Loeb. Maybe they just need to give him something to do so he doesn't cause too much trouble. God, yeah, just take it away. Put put him, <laughs> put him put him put him let him down easy. Put him away. Like Jeff, just here, go play in the sandbox over here. And it's yeah. a literal a literal sandbox. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want a metaphorical one. He's like, I'm gonna make a streaming show for Sandman. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe they they could be <laughs> doing that. I don't know, um, but uh, apparently Black Cat was also one of them, and a character called Werewolf by Night. So, oh well, before before I forget, since we're talking about bizarre comic book TV shows, because um, it looks like we're about to move on, I looked up the um, the reviews for the Pennyworth show because I saw a billboard for it out here in town, and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that show, and it aired at the end of July. There's three episodes out now on Epics if you have that, and surprisingly, they're rated positively on um, on IMDb, which is usually a pretty hard ranking system. Usually, they they're not too lenient over on that website, but it's it's clocking in at over eight stars for each episode. So, color me shocked. Uh, first, it was Krypton, and now it's Pennyworth. So, I don't know if there's much to the show besides just the concept of a young butler i don't know if we're getting any like proto batman villains in there anywhere or you know court of owls maybe proto stuff but pennyworth surprisingly getting good reviews so i'll I'll leave it at that maybe we'll maybe we'll swing back around to it at some point there are um five episodes out now and i only know this uh because it is on um Epix was just added to my uh, streaming service, the DirecTV Now, AT&T Now, whatever. Uh, okay. So they just added Epix as one of the included channels. 
Yeah, if anybody out there is watching Pennyworth, you have to let us know if it's any good. I got to know from you directly right into the show, tweet at us, DM us, whatever you got to do. I got to know if anybody's watching Pennyworth. I'm just very curious. Yeah, Uh, what's cool about what you mentioned is I went and looked on on the reviews here just real fast. Um, Uh It's got over a thousand reviews, right? Yeah. Um, but the last two episodes only have less than twenty each, so ooh, maybe I, starting to trail off. <laughs> I think the viewing, uh, the viewing uh, viewerships may be starting to trail off. But there's, there's hey, five more. Like I said from the beginning, it's just a hustler from a from a producer. Like some producers, like I'm going to get money out of some network for making this show. So good on them for getting a little cash out of that. Mm-hmm. How, how do we turn the Butler into a television show? <laughs> it's just like it's just like Teen Titans go to the movie, Mike. The butler got a movie before the sidekick did. Alfred gets a movie. No. Yeah. Uh, Batman's best friend. Batmobile. <laughs> so, yeah. That, that's always a good one. I was thinking about that song the other day at the beginning of that. Oh, movie. man. I want to rewatch it now. Yeah. Maybe you want to watch rewatch Aladdin. Did you even I haven't even I haven't even seen it. Maybe maybe even... maybe the cartoon one. Have you seen the cartoon one at least? I Of course I've seen the cartoon Okay. One. Have you seen the sequel, Return of Jafar? I have actually. It's uh, I don't remember much from it, but uh, I remember that one. And didn't they make a third one with like Aladdin's dad? Yeah, I think it was didn't like he... a, uh, a thousand thieves or something like that. Yeah, and I think I remember some sort of like ocean dwelling component. Like maybe there was like a boat or he was a captain or something. I don't know. But yes, I, I do have some Aladdin lore in my noggin. Okay, perfect. Because they're thinking about making a sequel to the live action Aladdin already. <laughs> so we're getting sure. our first live action sequel. You know what? Or no, you second, second. You know what? Do it. I don't even care. Do it because the main reason I'm not watching these live action Disney movies is I've I've already seen them. Like everyone's big critical take of the Lion King movie was it's the it's the animated movie. They just remade it with prettier graphics. Um, So, yeah, if they want to make a sequel to Lion King, if they want to make a sequel to Aladdin, do it. Just go crazy because then at least it's kind of like new content. I I will tell you, Aladdin is completely different. Yeah, at least they're like plussing up maybe something that was older. I don't know. Aladdin, least, uh, Aladdin is a new the new live action Aladdin. It it is a new movie, ba- way different than the cartoon one. I will tell you that it's got a couple of the same songs. That's fine, but like it is not the same movie shot for shot. Uh, which I haven't seen the Lion King, and I don't plan on doing so. Um, but I guess the was that the um, Angelina Jolie movie that's getting the sequel this year. Oh, um, Maleficent. Maleficent. Yeah. Yeah, that trailer was weird. <laughs> I, I've, I haven't watched the new one yet, but that's like the first sequel one. So do you think if they do this and maybe they kind of do their own free, like, you know, Rain Return of Jafar, would it go to theater? Or do you think that'd be like a Disney Plus offering, like all these other straight to DVD mm. v- or straight to VHS sequels were uh, back in the well, 90s? Well, I mean... I think Disney just did another earnings call recently, and Bob Iger reiterated again that Disney Plus, that this is the product, this is the premium service taking all of the attention of everybody at this company. So I think if something goes to Disney Plus, I think they don't think of it as like a straight-to-DVD thing. I think they're like, well, this is premium content that we are going to get people to subscribe to this service for. But, I mean, I think that just goes for just a strategy in general. Like when a new Disney movie is announced, like do we just kind of patiently wait at the very end of this Disney trailer to see if it says Disney Plus or if it says going to theaters, you know? Like, oh, what is this going to be? Yeah, I mean, it could be. I mean, I just don't know, like... I just know, like, of the 90s movies, and that's where they're pulling a lot of these from, literally all the sequels went straight to VHS. Like, that if was... I was a, 
that was her plan. It, yeah, if I was a betting man, I'm assuming this goes to theaters because it did very, very well at the box office. Mm-hmm. Um, if for some bizarre reason Disney Plus was kind of floundering and it was up against the ropes and they didn't have quite the subscribers that they wanted, I do not think that's going to happen. But if it was, that definitely could be a strategy that they pull. They're like, let's pull this from the theater, let's put it directly on, on Disney Plus and we will get subscribers that way for sure um i wonder if maybe they'll do like sectioned rollouts you know maybe some movies will get domestically released and then internationally released you know because i hear about like these box office numbers you know coming out of china and they use these numbers to like stoke the stoke the headlines for their movie it made all this money but china keeps a lot of that money to themselves like i think that's the deal like if you release a movie in china uh, that country gets to keep quite a large chunk of that box office. So maybe they're just like, hey, we don't need your distribution method anymore. We got Disney Plus and we'll just put it on there. So I don't know. The the dynamics, the land, Chris, it's a changing. It is. There's no telling. I'd probably guess theater as well. But did you know that in the Aladdin and the King of Thieves, the uh, Will, uh, not Will, uh, the, um, oh, fucking hell, what's his name? The genie's voice didn't do Return of Jafar. He only did the third, first and third one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't, I was, I'm doing some research here while I'm looking this up, but, um, yeah, Aladdin, live action. There you go. Obi-Wan Kenobi, finally confirmed <laughs> to be happening, Mike. Yep, there we go. Uh, Ewan McGregor. I was looking, I was looking through the past because I, I, I remember doing an image for our episode where I found that picture of Ewan McGregor, bless him for doing a Jesus roaming the desert movie because he looks exactly like Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine. And that's what a lot of other people, publications had been doing at the time. So I went and I looked it up and it was almost exactly um, 100 episodes ago, two years ago, that we talked about this kind of first rumor percolating up. So now, uh, almost exactly two years later, now it's finally been confirmed. I, it just goes to show you, sometimes on this show, when we're talking about rumors, even if they die off and they go away, uh, who knows, two years later it could come up. Uh, it just goes to show you, a long-term listener of the show does get paid off every once in a while. So, of course, I went and I found a new image that I hadn't used before from that Jesus Desert movie, and I photoshopped another lightsaber on his hand to just give you another idea what Obi-Wan roaming through the desert could possibly look like. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's one of those things we've always wanted. When we knew they were, they were doing um, prequel movies, we were like, oh, okay, this is the one that's going to work, right? This is the one that makes the most sense. They never did it. They never did it. Um, but now, you know, with the advent of Disney Plus and the, literally the fact they're spending Game of Thrones money on their TV shows there, for right, for Star Wars, because mm. Star Wars is in um, a precarious place right now. Uh, getting Ewan McGregor to come back and do this Disney Plus series, which is hopefully Obi-Wan Kenobi fighting the sand in the desert with a lightsaber, just hacking at it for years and years <laughs> on end, um, is, is, is crazy. I mean, that's I, he's the only character to reprise his role right outside of the movies, um, mm-hmm. uh, it, I guess in live action, not animated stuff. I feel like this this series could possibly be a little bit depressing, right? 
because when we join him in Tatooine in the very first Star Wars movie, he says like Obi Wan. Wow, that's a name I haven't heard in a very long time. And he's being very sincere about it. He's not like trying to be coy and like necessarily hide his identity. He's literally become like a different person, like a hermit. Like that that life of his was so long ago. So this almost feels like it's going to be almost a descent into like madness for Obi Wan. Like at the end of the series, is he just going to lose his identity as a Jedi? Like I feel like this could be really sad, you know? Yeah. Or, I mean, worst case scenario, I'm going worst case scenario here, Mike. Mm-hmm. He uh, does that thing where he is the dad of, uh, what's her name? And Oh, Ray. Ray, <laughs> and uh, we, we find out literally uh, after this next movie, and that's why they've been saving this the whole time. Uh, oh, I get yeah, possible. You know, Obi Wan gets lonely in the desert. You know, he might have to go. He might have to take a couple uh, uh, shillings and go visit a, a seedy establishment to get some love and comfort. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's gonna be wild. I, there's there's a lot of things that this could do, and there's a lot of things it may not do. But you know, I'm of this. I mean, we saw the footage of the Mandalorian, right? Uh-huh. Loved it. This is, might be a great uh, uh, opportunity for Star Wars to have another show on their hands that works out really well yeah. uh, for them. Ewan McGregor finally gets to be in a Star Wars property where he's not sidelined by just like very bizarre directing from George Lucas and just uh, uh, sound stages all around him and just acting on a green screen in front of like a tennis ball on a stick. I'm not saying that's bad filmmaking, but as we all know, the prequels were almost entirely filmed in front of a big sheet of colored film, so... Uh, he might like to flex his acting muscles a little bit here. Mm-hmm. As long as he says hello there, I'll be fine. That's all <laughs> I really want him to say. Uh, or what is it, what is the, the Star Wars line? I've got a bad feeling about this. In every movie. <laughs> Do we know the origin of where he came up with the name with Ben Kenobi? Uh, I don't know if that's ever been dropped anywhere in the lore, like if there's a character out there named Ben that he took it from. But I hope it's not this weird, bizarre Han Solo moment where we find out the origin of his name, Ben. I hope he just like comes up with it randomly. He's just like, uh, my name's Ben, and <laughs> we just don't really know where he got it from. He's just like, yeah, I'm Ben. I mean, isn't it like literally sounds like old Ben Kenobi because that's what Luke's uncle says. He's like, old Ben, Obi-Wan. I mean, I don't know. Obi-Wan Kenobi, old Ben Kenobi. It sounds pretty close. <laughs> I mean, they don't seem like they have a lot going on on the sand planet, man. Tatooine does not seem like a place where they're like we need to literally know everyone and pronouncing properly. No ben is just Ben is like the John Smith of uh, Tatooine. Yeah, everybody out here is named Ben. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ben. If you really want to if you really want to blend in with the environment. Oh, Ben Smith, ben. ben Kenobi Smith. Yeah, he's out there. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he kept his last name, which really says he wasn't hiding very well. Yeah, that's the most identifiable thing about a person is the last name. Oh. Wow. Right, I, I don't Star know. Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. There we go. Uh, more Star Wars news. Uh, uh, Rian Johnson uh, has confirmed that his uh, new uh, trilogy will not focus on legacy characters, meaning anyone who's Ooh. been in the other nine. Chris, I can, I can tell it's been a long weekend for you when you call him Rian Johnson. <laughs> That's really how you pronounce his name. No, it's got it's got to be nope, Ryan Johnson. It is. I, I went through this uh, two weeks ago. All right. Well, if that is the phonetically how you're supposed to say his name, the rest of Hollywood does not call it. everyone as I've ever come across calls him Ryan Johnson yep. or or Ryan Johnson. You know, at least some sort of like version of Ryan. Yeah. No, I mean I went and looked up some videos on YouTube to hear. But anyway, uh, so his trilogy not focusing on legacy characters, which a great b yeah, that's pretty much what's expected. I, I don't know what else to to really pull out of this. Um, yeah, we've th- gotten 
we've gotten no hint that any of these legacy characters will be moving forward. So it seems like this is all wrapping up. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is, you know, what, what is the, uh, um, I re- I'm really looking forward to his next movie, Knives Out, by the way. Have, have you seen the trailer? Oh, yet? yeah, that trailer looks really fun. Yeah, it looks really cool. And then um, I was still trying to figure out what the status of the um, uh, Game of Thrones guys. Oh, the D&D. Yeah, yeah, D&D. Yeah. Is that, what, is that what we call them? We call them D&D? Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's what people shorten them to. Is that what people and everyone else calls them, Mike? Because I, I, I don't call them that, apparently. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I watched a, I watched a very in-depth um, YouTube video, uh, you, YouTube takedown of the D&D guys the other day, and D&D seems to be the way to go. Oh, okay. You think they're going to stay after thinking about it for a week? Uh, I mean... I mean, I don't know. We just haven't really heard much, you know. They signed that deal with Netflix. You know, we kind of talked about them maybe just being producers and name and just cashing in on their credibility. But it seemed like HBO dumped them because the ending of Game of Thrones did not turn out well. Uh, who knows, Chris? The Star Wars is the Wild well, West right now. It's not really Star Wars. Do you think Disney will let their two biggest names who are working on one of their top three properties work for their competing streaming agency? Mm, yeah, I think they will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. Uh, I think. Um, I think as long as they're in the movie space, it's not as complicated for them right now. Okay. If for some reason they had signed them on to just do streaming stuff directly, uh, maybe there would have been a little bit of a debate there. But okay. Uh, yeah. All right. That's fine. I just. I mean, I've been thinking about a week. I'm like, I don't know how this is going to play out. But I, I tell. I'll tell you what. The next thing. That has DB and Weiss on it has to be good. If it is not good, everyone's just gonna keep trashing them. They need a win. They need a home run. The next time you see anything that they make, our people are just gonna shove their name into the dirt. I am. I am so waiting for them to be fired from Star Wars. Just like all these <laughs> other, you know, film couple people have been for not like meeting standards. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. Dark Phoenix, I know this is going to blow your mind, Mike. This is going to blow your mind. You sitting down? <laughs> yes. Ends its theatrical run as the lowest X-Men film in the franchise. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> uh, it only earned in its entire run $252 million versus mm-hmm. the next lowest one. So this is the lowest. The second lowest was the original X-Men movie from 2000. At $296 million. And I'm sure those budgets are catastrophically apart. Um, and I, 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 haven't, I, I have not looked up the budget of Dark Phoenix, but I would guess at the very minimum it was probably $150 million. It, I, think it's two, I think it was 250 is what, what yeah, I saw so that So that's even worse. Add in the marketing. Even though they didn't do a lot of marketing, they still did some. Plus put in the reshoots there. There's no way that movie made money. There's no way Dark Phoenix made any money. And they're not going to make any well, money off of box sets with it. Well, Nobody wants that film. Well, they said they didn't make money last last week when they did the, the third quarter for Disney. And the, they had the biggest operating loss almost ever be, because well, they, of they, Dark they, Phoenix. They, they, did, they blamed it on Dark Phoenix, but I don't know if the specific numbers yeah. ever came out. I think they're just like, hey, a, a, lot of, a couple other properties didn't work also, but... Dark Phoenix was the leading loser, so uh, wow, yeah. way to way to go down in flames, X Men. <laughs> yeah, I was actually watching the original X Men earlier. My wife had it on television while I was doing the show notes, um, mm. and that movie doesn't hold up as much as I thought it would. Oh. Shout out for good X Men stuff. The second season. Yeah. Of the uh, Wolverine podcast, um, I don't yeah. remember what it's called off the top. It's of not my a head. long night, is it? 
No, because uh, that's what they called the first uh, season. I think the second season's maybe called like the Long Trail, the Lost Trail, the Lost Trail, or something. Um, it was exclusively paid content on Stitcher for a while, but now the new episodes are finally starting to drop for free on iTunes. Uh, I haven't listened to the second season yet, but man, the first season is great, great, slow, fun burn to listen to, great to listen to when the sun's down too, it really fits the mood of that first season. Not sure about the second season yet, but if you want good Wolverine content, go check out that podcast, it's great, it's really fun. How many episodes are in season one? Um, 10, maybe? I would guess at least 10. Yep, 10 right here. Okay, cool. Because this one has six right now on the current app, but I just don't know how frequently they come out because it's been about two weeks since the last one. I don't know if this is a good or bad sign for the podcast. I don't know if it recoups a lot of the money for production when it's Stitcher Premium, but I know when it was released for free on iTunes, a lot of the ad, the the, the mid-roll ads didn't get downloaded into my stream of the of the show. So I don't know if they just hadn't sold that ad space or maybe their back-end tech just wasn't working when I was listening to the first season, but I got to listen to a few of those ad-free. So uh, uh, you might just be able to have the premium experience even without paying for it. You just got to wait a little bit. Yeah. I think the first season did when it came out for everyone else. It did come out ad free. But this one like is coming out with ads kind of like almost in a live kind of format here. Because I'm, I'm looking at it on Stitcher right now. And they do have seven episodes. So okay. Yeah. Go go check it out. Great Wolverine content. You don't have to be um, do you, you don't have to be uh, do you Hugh re- Jackman. Do you recommend binging it? Oh yeah, for sure. You could, this is definitely something that you could binge. Hmm. Uh, but uh, podcasts, I think, are are best uh, used when they're also uh, strategic too. When you need to uh, just kill some time or you're going someplace, so they're it's a great companion to your life. It doesn't necessarily have to be like lay down on the couch like a therapy office and listen to it. But uh, go check out that pod. That's where you're wrong. I want to lay down <laughs> on the couch and listen to it. Eyes closed, lights off. Anyway, sure. <laughs> speaking of things that go down in flames. Krypton has been canceled. Oh, man. Um, the sci-fi is ending the show after its second season, which I think just wrapped, maybe. Oh, you must have been biting your lip a few segments ago when I when I brought it up talking about Pennyworth. I did. I did. I didn't say a word. And the Lobo spinoff from Krypton is also out at sci-fi as well. Uh, however, however, the, the, the production company, uh, Warner Horizon, is in talks to maybe move this show to other outlets for se- mm-hmm. other seasons. And that includes possibly HBO Max or DC Universe, but no solid details on where they could move the show uh, at this point. Who own, I'm run, I wonder who owns Sci-Fi. It seems to be this kind of uh, bizarre, like out there nerd network that seems to create a lot of good content, but can't support it. You know, like they couldn't support the Expanse, so it went over to you know Amazon. Uh, I guess they can't support Krypton, which we heard was good, so maybe it goes lands on a more niche streaming service where it finds an audience. Uh, I wonder if maybe sci-fi ends up getting bought up at some point in time. Uh, I don't know if they have a whole lot of original content, but um, there you go. Sci-fi uh, just can't just can't hold it up. Yeah, no, I mean, um, they said that, you know, Krypton, like, had the most rate views I, I know during his first season in like the past four years of sci-fi's all of its shows. So sci-fi is owned by NBC, so there is a chance that maybe that stuff could come to this weird NBC streaming app that's coming out next year. So they got they got a chance there if you're a if you're a Krypton fan. 
Yeah, so um, but I'm pretty sure this just wrapped this week too, which was weird. They didn't say it was canceled. I don't know if it ended on a cliffhanger. Um, so that would be interesting to know if it did. <laughs> Chris, I, I hate I hate to be the bummer uh, to let you know this, but the planet explodes. So if that's the cliffhanger, like the planet's like getting ready to blow, and like, oh no, next season is it going to blow up or not? Like, uh, we know. yeah, but that's that's if it's a straight prequel. This involves time travel and. And, and alternate things happening. So they they JJ Abrams Star Trek you. Yeah, they do. Um, so I I don't know. I I, I don't know little. I know very little about this. So I just know people really enjoyed it. So if you're a fan, maybe here's best of luck to season three for you. Birds of Prey and the something something whatever Harley Quinn movie uh, is coming out uh, early next year, and uh, director Chad Stileski. Uh, who's known for his work on John Wick, uh, is to oversee and direct the second unit filming for action scenes on this movie. <laughs> All right. I don't really know what I take away with the second unit because isn't the second unit usually the, the squad that goes and picks up the shots that aren't as important no, the, uh, to the rest do, of the they story? No, they do. Second unit's probably out. There are a lot of action second units, that much I know. Um, but he will not be credited for his work, but his stunt firm has been working on the film the entire time. So I don't know if this is like maybe they're trying to maybe get him a job doing a DC movie later. Oh, um, I don't know. And like, hey, come do this. <clears throat> you're you're already hired. Your company is. You're you're hired. Come work on this. You know, don't take all the credit, and we'll put you in another movie hey, later. If if you're a stunt man in Hollywood right now, trying to get your own movie made, this is the time to do it. You know, praise John Wick for making stuntmen like legit directors now. So I, you know, I could totally see a stuntman making a movie now, which is something I don't think I could have said a few years ago without John Wick kind of blazing the trail. And I could be totally ignorant right now. There could be a stuntman out there who's done a movie way before John Wick, and I, and I just don't know. But John Wick at least made it cool now to hire yourself a stunt person. But this news just makes me realize it has been a hot minute since we've had a DC movie, right? Like we're just kind of slowly waiting for this Joker movie to come out. Which, there's a chance it could be really good, and it'll be really fun, but I don't think it's going to open the doors to any sort of speculation of maybe where the DC Universe is going. Like, I'm not anticipating, like, a really cryptic after credit scene for Joker, you know, that's, like, setting up a bigger universe, so it just kind of seems like it's going to be a one-off, just kind of interesting, hopefully great movie, but, man, I need, like, Wonder Woman to come out to, like, entice me with, like, the next 10 years of DCU, you know, I need Jason Momoa to pop up in an after credit scene or Shazam. You think they have (laughs) 10 years planned out? I don't think they have 10 months planned out, Mike. Maybe, maybe they're starting to like. Okay, maybe the next Shazam movie will come out on HBO Max. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll still get the theater ones. I mean, but like Wonder Woman, Shazam, and Aquaman are the big draws right now, right? Mm-hmm. Birds of Prey, Joker, and uh, Suicide Squad are the the fillers. Yeah, I just want like a State of the Union for the DCU. Like, I just, they, they don't I really, they don't have a head. They don't have anyone yeah. to tell you what's going on. I I just desperately need a panel where they sit down and tell me something like. You know, we're getting D23, uh, you know, next week that's going to enlighten us a lot more on the future of Star Wars. And, like, man, I need that with DC. I understand that they might not have it. They might not have their shit together right now, but I can't get excited if I don't know what's coming up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or at least, you know, like, why is it taking so long between movies? Like, four years for Aquaman to Aquaman 2. Uh-huh. And, you know, who knows? They haven't even announced the Shazam 2. Um, Batman, will they? Won't they? Maybe. 
I believe there's a Batwoman or Batgirl movie maybe in there too. I, God, we don't even know. They need to do uh-huh. something. But that's okay because they're casting for the G.I. Joe spinoff Snake Eyes movie. And by God, we got more information on this movie than we do most of the other <laughs> DC films coming out. So uh, they're uh, eyeing uh, Henry Golding, uh, the lead actor in Crazy Rich Asians, as the lead uh-huh. character. And you're going to make it an origin story of how... Snake Eyes, uh, you know, his father died. He joined this ninja clan and became a ninja. Uh, yeah. So it's an origin <laughs> film. And maybe we learn why he doesn't talk because he does not talk in the other movies. I just love how you have in the show notes, uh, you have the phrase pre-Joes, mm-hmm. which is something now I'll have to add to my lexicon in the G.I. Joe cinematic universe. Well, is this pre-Joe or post-Joe? Yeah, post-Joe. Because I got to know, I got to know how, I got to set up my watching order for this weekend because the cinematic G.I. Joe universe is now 30 movies deep and I got to know where the pre-Joe line lies. What, but. What's fun here is we, today we have a, a lone reference, three, at least minimum three movies that uh, the actor Ray Park has been in. He played <laughs> Snake Eyes in the G.I. Joe um, movies, right? The newer ones. He mm-hmm. was Darth Maul in Phantom Menace and Han Solo spinoff movie. And then uh, he was also Toad in the original X-Men movie. <laughs> so hey, uh, there you go. He's probably happy people are talking about him. Yeah, except now he doesn't get to play Snake Eyes anymore. So <laughs> poor guy. He's just cutting himself out of work here. I just know so very little about G.I. Joe. Like, I, 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 I can't even be somebody that sits here and, like, complains, like, oh, what's, what are they doing here? He's not supposed to be even a character that talks. Why do we care who's cast? You know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, I, I know I you know, love man. prequels, and I know you you know, uh, origin so, stories, so I just had to put it in there for you. So this is a really dumb question. I don't know if you know more about G.I. Joe than I do. Is Joe a character? Is Joe so, like the Captain America of the G.I. Joe universe? In the last movie, right, with The Rock uh-huh. is G.I. Joe, um, Bruce Willis was the original G.I. Joe. Okay, and so is G.I. Joe more of a moniker, like 007, and anybody could be Joe? Uh, <laughs> I just a great don't question. Know. Like, I'm just curious, since we're talking about casting, like, who is going to be the lead anchor for the Joes, if you will? Like, is this where they bring in John Cena, who I believe, wasn't he already in a G.I. Joe movie? So maybe it can't be a John Cena. Uh, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I don't know. It just seems right. This could be like the Mandela effect. I think effect. he you was could... he was in Transformers. <laughs> you're, you're thinking of uh, the Magic <laughs> you, Mike you, dude. You could you could just tell me he was in uh, he was in GI Joe, and I believe you. Well, but like I just I need to know who the anchor Joe is going to be. The, who is going to be the Joe of the pre Joe? The era? name derived from the, well this that's Joe that's, that's Joe Year Zero the the, the <laughs> that's the beginning Joe. Uh, but the Joe GI Joe is for a generic U.S. soldier derived from the more general term just GI. Oh, gotcha. Well, I think they should just say fuck it and just cast a guy and name him Joe. Oh, this is this is the GI. His name is Joe. I think that's what then Bruce Willis was, though. I think that's what that's oh, what he be- God. was. Let me see here. I mean, I don't want Bruce Willis coming to my place and beating me up, but he just does not have the charisma for Hollywood G- anymore. General, I don't know if it's just be- <laughs> General Joseph Colton is was his name. There we go. We need a Joseph Colton. Who is going to be our Joseph Colton? Well, by the time this movie gets is made, it a prequel? It is it Year Zero? Is this is this the moment <laughs> he becomes Joe? GI Joe? Is this where he's fumbling? That's his. En- that's his enrollment Joe. moment. The enrollment moment changes the entire way we number this year system. 
I tell you what, Hollywood does have the advantage though when they make an, a military movie is if they film it and shoot it just right, they'll get some money from the U.S. government to pad that box office uh, budget. <laughs> so yeah. uh, recruitment so goes up so much whenever a GI Joe movie comes out. You know? Yeah, <laughs> just get some glamour shots of some aircraft carriers, and you, you paid you paid for craft services that day on the U.S. government's teat. Yeah, I mean. I have no idea what G.I. <laughs> Joe is either. But I it's, uh, I can't wait to see him cross over I, with the Micronauts. Exactly. The, the Hasbro Connected <laughs> Universe is really what's got me interested. Like, how are they going to tie this in with Transformers? When's that oh, one happening? God. Just do it. Go crazy. Like, if Fast and the Furious can be ridiculous, why can't G.I. Joe they, transform a Micronauts? They did a Bumblebee prequel movie that came out pretty good. So maybe mm-hmm. a G.I. Joe prequel movie is going to be so pretty good. So are you telling me that the Bumblebee movie was pre-Joe? I'd say or I don't maybe, know. We don't know when he or, signed. We don't know when he enlisted. Joe, <laughs> Joe could be a World War II veteran, and maybe he, uh, maybe, uh, so the one we would be post-Joe. Who knows? I, or do we say post-Joe after Joe died? So if pre-Joe is when Joe, before Joe was signed or Joe was born, and post-Joe is after he died, uh-huh. what do you call In Joe? Between? Is it is it Joe Prime? <laughs> no, no. Joe, I, Joe Prime? I guess I guess after after Joe, AJ would be after death. So <laughs> Joe has risen. Yeah, <laughs> he is here yeah. to give you the uh, best movie of the summer. I'm gonna say he's gonna be in Operation Desert Storm, Joe. Uh, okay, I think that's where it's gonna be. So so Bumblebee would be pre-Joe. Okay, well there you go. Yeah. You heard it here first. Bumblebee, it's pre-Joe. I'm gonna have a lot of red string and thumbtacks in my room this week trying Ooh. to figure out this timeline for these Joes. Yeah, there you go. What about the, the women? Are they GI Janes? Because that's another yeah. movie. Yeah, that's true. That's another spinoff. They're like, all right, we're gonna make 18 origin films. Well, well the GI Jane. Do you not remember that movie from like the 90s? I do remember that, but that was not. Hasbro connected. I don't believe. <laughs> well, it's technically it. It starred uh, uh, Demi Moore, right? Who was married mm-hmm. to Bruce Willis, who was the original Joe. So was this his wife, and she was Mrs. Joe? Oh my God, <laughs> pre Mrs. Joe. I don't know what's happening here. Yeah, we got to end the show, man. <laughs> oh my God, I've lost way too much sleep this weekend. He's lost the thread. Oh my God. Okay. All right. No rabbit hole. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. Mike, if people know what you're up to, what you're doing, where can they find you at? Well, they can catch me at Mike Royer Design on Instagram and Twitter. And you can get my web comics into your eyeballs at pickledcomics.com. Chris, if people want to catch up with you, see what you're doing, where can they find you? If you want to find me and figure out what I'm doing with my life this week, because I don't even know, you can find me on Twitter, Valdan, V A L D A N, or Instagram, Valdan87. Uh, if you were interested, um, Demi Moore won a Razzie for the word for the worst actress <laughs> in GI Jane. Uh, oh wow! In nineteen ninety seven, uh, or you can head over to Comic UI. Uh, Mike, if people want to know more about Superhero Slate and our normal episodes where we actually have a lot of energy and facts and like very laser focus, where can they find those at? It's very easy. All you got to do is go to who.com and click play on Dante's Peak. Oh, no. After you finish Dante's Peak, you need to go to the nearest Walmart. And probably in the discount bend, you're uh, going to find Volcano. Uh, so uh, oh my god! Watch volcano. Then after you do all of that, you're gonna visit superheroslate.com. You, you, you <laughs> stop. Netflix needs to have a bargain bin playlist. Oh my gosh! You're you're preaching to the choir. Netflix desperately need playlists in general. Yeah. Uh, they need user created playlists. Yep. They need just uh, editors. They need like staff pick 
playlists and I'm talking like down to individual episodes like don't give me just like the general like oh the office is in workplace uh, workplace comedy playlist there's like a thousand episodes Christmas there. <laughs> movies and Christmas episodes designated yes. to that I want that so bad. Oh my god! Sorry. Anyway, you made me think about like how fun would that be? Oh, go to the bargain place. You see all the cheaper movie or the movies that uh-huh. like you'd find in a bargain bin. It's nothing against them. There's just <laughs> hey, you don't have to buy them. You already have Netflix. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. continue. Yes, Tommy Lee Jones in Volcano. Oh God, go check that out. So anyway, superheroslate.com the best place to find all of our show notes and also as we've been figuring out it's a historical archive so if you want to see the first time uh, <laughs> um, uh, we talked about Ewan McGregor coming back as Obi-Wan Kenobi go back two years in our show notes and you can check that out there you can also find us on Apple Podcasts YouTube Spotify and more you can like us on Facebook follow us on Twitter and Instagram and you can get merch at SuperheroSlate.com slash store. We love hearing from you. If you're watching Pennyworth out there, we gotta know. Or maybe just use this as motivation to go watch the first episode and let us know if it's worth it. Uh, Maybe you're also a Krypton watcher, and I want to know how those two shows compare. Are they back-to-back watching? Would a cable network program those in the same hour? I'd be very curious to know if if that's what happens. Um, And we also just love hearing from you in general. If you're digging the show, reach out and let us know. If you hate the show, reach out and let us know there has been a user request uh chris for a boy's spoiler yeah, I saw. jacob so damn it. <laughs> you are ve- you're a very busy man but we have both watched it but since the second season is coming out relatively soon hopefully sooner than a year maybe we'll 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 see what the the winds are saying and maybe we can just hold out and just do a season one and two because i feel like those will be very good compendiums no spoilers there but i feel like parts one and two I, are gonna come together i think i'm too far in the legion season two to remember the boys so i might have to do a refresher (laughs) all right well uh so stay tuned go watch the boys it's great uh but we love our super fans so if you want to be a super fan of this show it's very 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 easy all you got to do is share this show with a friend share this show with a buddy and we will be here every week even if chris has been Mm -hmm. working from dusk till dawn all day he still shows up it started off strong i tried so hard guys i'm so sorry (laughs) well we got to that pre-joe conversation and it all fell apart yeah good thing you saved it for the end well i think that's our most creative conversation of the evening to be completely honest with you so yeah that's true it took a little while to warm me up but i feel like i've worn you out yeah we, we really you know just came alive so I'm going to go to bed, and I will catch you guys next week. (laughs) All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe.